I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World's Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. I'm your host and my name is Adam Bayfield and joining me for the 325th time to talk about cricket and his weekend, it's Tony Kerr. Scary when you start throwing those numbers around. I thought you meant your weekend was scary. Uh, Yeah, that too. Scary to think back on really. Some scary scenes. Scary quantities of... uh, certain things consumed yeah and scary images floating around <laughs> in the aftermath as well how's it going team all good thanks what's happening man uh don't know really just yeah pottering i say pottering just uh, yeah characteristically kind of busy <laughs> yeah well i was gonna actually say i was coming in here feeling uh in a very sort of generous frame of mind towards you because it's you know it's nice to see ten you're actually on time today you know we're starting this on time yeah. I mean, we record at your flat, so I suppose it probably shouldn't be possible for you to be not on time. Or so I thought. But the other day, uh, when we were, was it a Friday night, we were off to play paddle, play tennis. <laughs> Just to explain, paddle is like tennis, indoor version of tennis. We'd arranged to play at 5.30, the two of us and a, a couple of other friends, you need four to play this game. I actually left work a little bit early. Like I took a little bit of uh, overtime to make sure I left work in time to walk home, get my kit, and get in my car, avoid the traffic, and get there in time for five thirty. As I'm getting into my car, get a message from you. What time is paddle? So I look at my watch. It's like five o'clock. It's like yeah, it's in uh, half an hour. Can I get a lift? Yeah, sure, no problem. Twenty past five. I'm still sat in my car outside your flat, thinking, Jesus, what is going on? A car screeches to a halt next to me. The passenger door flies open and Tony Kerr bursts out in his suit, runs inside. I'm like, oh, God, we know. Yeah, I just texted the other people. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to be really late. Yeah, that was a bit of a, yeah, it was a, a busy afternoon. I had a sort of family wedding <laughs> blessing, which I'd been at. It's tough. I don't know. It's, it's tough, isn't it? Why <laughs> your face then? <laughs> and uh, just for the listeners at home, I almost dropped my laptop yeah, off my your, knees. Your laptop slid off the cushion that it's sitting on <laughs> on your knees. And you made a very... Very panicky face. Uh, yeah, that was a, it was a slight oversight just in terms of organisational kind of stuff. I like the idea yeah. that, yeah, as the bride and groom are saying their vows, you're standing at the back tapping your foot, <laughs> t- t- tapping a pen against your wrist, going, come on, come on. <laughs> if only not, like, Bayfield's going to be waiting. I think we did say that a, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, or probably every week. It's just, you know, the, this thing of just trying to cram in too many things. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, should be a really relaxed, happy event to be at. But I was just in a sort of cold sweat thinking, <laughs> I've got paddle. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I never learned the lesson. Bayfield's going to be fuming. He's going to bring it up on the podcast. Yeah, maybe we just need to start just doing all this kind of stuff in the middle of the night, just stop sleeping. It's probably the only mm. way to cram in all these extra podcasts. Maybe we just need to start like planning our lives out like grown-ups. Yeah, all that. Also an option. Well, settle in, Tone. I don't know if you've got anything you've got to rush off for after this, because uh, <laughs> we've got a lot of cricket to talk about now. Do you have to rush off after this? No, no, not uh, any rush whatsoever. Actually, that's n- or so I thought, but actually, you did tell me you've got an appointment at five o'clock. What are you getting done at five o'clock? Oh, I can't remember now. <laughs> it might be cancelled. Uh, no, so I, 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 well, come over all shy. Well, yeah, I'd booked a beard trim. You know what weddings are like wedding at the weekend it kind of it's like a sort of uh it's an explosion in your calendar right so it took took over uh my life for a few days apart from paddle that apart from the, the little 
brief paddle game. Then uh, then I had to race to Jersey, and I've raced back to Guernsey for one day today, and then I'm racing back to Jersey tomorrow, and then off somewhere else afterwards. So it's kind of, I've just got to get a little admin to do. Have you come back to Guernsey? Beard admin. Just to get your beard trimmed? Just to record the podcast. Right. Come on. The beard trim's just a bonus. Yeah, exactly. I should fit that in. <laughs> it's just... Oh, I haven't fitted it in yet at all. It's such an adorable image. You in a barbershop chair, foam all over your face. I don't go for beard trims all the time, but I thought I better look smart over the next few days. You know, I had a haircut and a beard trim last week, and I was like, "Well, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll go again and get tidy up." But anyway, well, the beard trimmer does it. You know, do you get much chat from the from the beard trimmer? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I've been he's been cutting my hair for about seventeen years, I wow. think now. Yeah, so you talk to him all about your podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. Native no, does that, yeah. <laughs> You're too embarrassed to yeah, say. Yeah, I've never said. You're, you're, you will not allow your worlds to meet. You were too embarrassed to mention on the podcast that you're getting your beard trimmed. You don't tell your barber that you've got a podcast. Dual life. Is that what they call it? Split life. Yeah. Living a double life. Double life. Yeah. 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 So, uh, well, that, yeah, I'm just, I, I just text him say, what time did I book in for? Because I'd forgotten. But he said, he texted me back saying, next week. <laughs> So I might not have to go, but I'm definitely away next week. So I'm, I was convinced I'd booked in for the right day. So we'll find out. Do you remember what we were saying before about planning your life out like a grown-up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, as I say, we have got a lot of cricket to talk about today. I, I think we're just going to have a, a bit of a general chit-chat tone, a bit of a chin-wag uh, about what's been going on. It's been a busy old summer uh, in English cricket, and it's probably time that we... Um, uh, that we catch up on what's been going on around the world as well, just sort of reflect on, on what's been happening in the world of cricket. So we'll be doing that and looking ahead to the cricket that's coming up in the autumn. And we're going to answer some questions from listeners as well. So uh, let's crack on with it, shall we? Shall we dig into those questions? So I did a throwout tone on social media, what we in the biz refer to as a throwout, uh, and solicited some questions on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram saying we're swatting up ready to record a new world cricket show tomorrow. What should we talk about? Uh, so we've had a lot of comments coming in. Um, Sam Dowdle on Twitter says tennis. He thinks we should talk about tennis. Well, we've got good news for you, Sam. There's a whole other podcast where we do talk about tennis. Uh, someone else says your holiday. That was actually London correspondent Gordon McRae. Tony's come in wanting... Wanting to hear about a holiday. We don't really talk enough about our holidays on this show, do we? I mean, G Gordon himself has actually been on holiday recently. He was on holiday here in Guernsey. Uh, came for a sort of staycation from London to Guernsey. It was quite a bleak little holiday by the sounds of it, as it rained all week and he was scrabbling around trying to find things to do. Kept saying he was going to go to the aquarium. I was like, what are you doing tomorrow? Going to the aquarium. Sounds very depressing, Why? doesn't it? I don't know. <laughs> he just, he literally run out of all options <laughs> like he was asking me for uh, suggestions that like <laughs> i thought about it for ages and the best i could come up with was you could check out the tapestry <laughs> i don't know like uh, this is really off topic isn't it but uh i sort of don't know where i stand on aquariums now like you know in this sort of modern world where nothing is you can't you're not really allowed to do anything or you know there are bad aspects to almost everything if that's if that's true you can't imprison any dolphins now no, exactly. people getting upset exactly pc yeah. brigade uh but I, I don't know like i don't know no, you, I just, you, yeah. you, you don't sort of see there's not much sort of widespread well there's no sort of viral videos about aquariums popping up in my newsfeed. <laughs> but i don't know are we are we allowed to go to aquariums in the sort of post blackfish era they are to some extent but the, the guernsey aquarium we should say is is a kind of particular well, it's thing, not. I mean, it? it's been there for many years. Yeah. It's uh, it's more of a sort of petting zoo of aquariums, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, but it's 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 uh, it's low budget. It's not it's not blockbuster. It's content. a community aquarium. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's put it that way. It's uh, yeah, it's more goldfish than shamu. But uh, are we are we going to look back in thirty, forty years and be like, oh god, you know, I can't believe how we treated those starfish? Well, I'll be blaming Gordon. Well, he's, he's complicit in all of this. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, we we are actually going to get into the cricket now. Um, quite a lot of questions have come in, Tone, as you say, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, asking us to look ahead to England's tour of Sri Lanka, uh, which starts in October. So actually in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, Amir Iqbal uh, wants us to give Sri Lankan tour predictions. 
So we might do that in a minute, give some, some sort of concrete predictions. But more generally, uh, Mersey Beast on Instagram wants us to talk about the test squad for Sri Lanka. So England's squad was announced the other day. Um, the big sort of headlines, obviously, uh, this isn't breaking news, but Alistair Cook has retired from test cricket. So he's been replaced by Rory Burns from Surrey. Keaton Jennings retained his place in the squad. Jack Leach is back in the frame uh, after a season disrupted by injury. Ollie Pope is in the squad as well. Ollie Stone is called up from Warwickshire as one of the fast bowling options. And Joe Denley returns to an England squad uh, for the first time in almost a decade. And then the rest of the squad is uh, is fairly straightforward. It's, you know, your Roots, your Andersons, your Bairstows. Thoughts, Tone? You you happy with that? Has, has Ed Smith pulled it off? Is that a squad you can live with? Yeah, broadly, I think it's an interesting squad, isn't it? I mean, yeah, obviously there's certain well, Alistair Cooks that he's had to replace or they've had to come up with uh, some new ideas there. Uh, and yeah, uh, you know, in Burns, I think it looks like a pretty solid pick. I mean, he's, yeah, kind of people have been touting him for quite a while now. So it seems like a good opportunity to get him in and, you know, he's had as good a summer uh, as he's ever had. So, yeah, I'm pretty positive about that. You know, some interesting picks. Denley, not a name we've kind of seen, well, certainly not a name we've seen in England shirt for 10 years or more. So it's interesting. I mean, it, yeah, well, I guess potentially England's batting lineup could be sort of Burns, Jennings, Denley, mm. or maybe Moeen. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's all it's all starting to look very different very quickly, isn't it? Yeah, it's not the, the top order that you would have predicted at the start of the summer, necessarily. It's interesting as well, because Denley is one year younger than Alistair Cook. But we'll, you know, we'll maybe now be thinking, could he, he'll be thinking, could I have three or four years in front of me in the test team or longer? The age of a player depends very much on the context, yeah. uh, doesn't it? Well, because the last time we saw Denley playing for England, he was a young upstart. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I, I think that's, I think there's a lot of sensible kind of picks in there or, you know, a lot of logical stuff. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's not the most glamorous of series, but the, yeah, I think there's, there's some really interesting stuff going there. I mean, I guess actually now, you know, with the departure of Kirk and the, the way that the, the sort of teams are looking, I know you wanted to talk about some of the retirements from county cricket as well, the stalwarts of the game. Yeah, you know, everything is going to start to look more all-roundery, isn't it? And, and you know, the influence of the, the shorter formats that's going to you know we, we are seeing the kind of the 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 long form guys the the hardcore i think you know diminishing yeah I mean, we've known, we yeah we've known that's going to happen for years and years but more so than ever i think it's starting to to look that way now yes um i'm i'm just wondering if that is a partic particularly a thing with england or whether i i think i think it is something that's going on more around the world but it's it's very much uh heightened in this current England team. I mean, even, yeah, even Joe Denley is an all-rounder. He's a leg spin bowler as well. And that pr presumably is one of the reasons why they've gone to him. I and someone who's played in the sort of short formats around the world, isn't he, mm -hmm. as well? So, yeah, it, it's it's all got that air about it. I guess Burns probably is the the, the difference there, isn't he, with his kind of, uh, you know, quite unique approach at the crease and, and his pedigree in county cricket the last few years as well. Yeah, he's probably a more kind of... Um, old-fashioned player in that sense i mean he's he is the obvious candidate isn't he? he's the the next cab off the rank i suppose you might say but he really he has had an outstanding season he scored about 300 more runs than anyone else in county cricket average 65 you know it would have been very strange if they hadn't gone to him next and yeah denley i think i i think it, i do think it's interesting that ed smith seems to be willing to pick anybody regardless of age it's it's a you know if you're good enough you're old enough and if you're good enough you're not too old I suppose you know that to have gone back to Denley in, as someone in his 30s at the same time as picking people like Sam Curran and Don Bess um, I do think that's a positive thing so while uh, you know I'm not, I'm not I haven't been sold on every single decision that Ed Smith has made this summer I think broadly speaking you have to say that things have moved forward in terms of selection certainly from where they were a year ago with the squad that was picked for the Ashes and this particular squad, I I do think is a good one. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how Ollie Stone gets on. And we've talked a lot about England's lack of pace, and he's someone who really does have genuine pace. 
So yeah, looking at it, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, Twain, I'm actually reasonably happy. It's only taken 325 episodes, but I'm relatively happy. Yeah, I don't know. It's got yeah. There's a kind of modesty about the squad, isn't there? Which is, it's you can sort of get behind, and there's a feel of kind of a squad there that can go out and get the job done. Which yeah, I quite like the idea of. And it's a, a little bit horses for courses yeah. without being, you know, without taking that to an absurd degree. So yeah, I, I I'm happy. Although saying that, or so I thought, uh, but actually. There's one thing that, you know, there's one name in there that perhaps is is slightly controversial. And we've got this question from Edward Barron, very much a, a straight to the point question. Jennings, why? Were you surprised to see Jennings in the squad? No, not not particularly. I mean, he, he averaged 18 in the series against India. You know, I can see why people can look at this both ways. Really, apart from Kohli, no one, well, and, and a couple of others, no one really survived with the bat let alone uh kind of impressed impressed yeah yeah i mean it might have been a bit harsh to get rid of jennings and and yeah you'd maybe then say well what about a couple of the others a little bit more time he did well in india when he came into the team first of all yeah i think i think it's worth a try you know again you know burns is going to be presumably coming in there and opening with him to, to have two new faces at the top, I don't know where else. I don't know where else they would have gone with that. So uh, yeah, well, I, I, I think it's, again, I think it's a kind of it's a sort of sensible, maybe cautious approach, but probably the right one. Yeah, I can see what you're saying, and uh, I think that presumably is why he, they've kept him on is because Cook retired. I think if if Cook hadn't decided to retire, he probably would have been dropped because I think Burns would have come in either way. But presumably they are thinking, we really don't want to have two brand new opening batsmen. That seems like a big risk. So he's kept his place as a result of that and is going in as a kind of senior pro in that opening partnership. But I I see what you're saying in terms of it's, it's like a slightly cautious but maybe pragmatic approach. But in the end, I think it's probably the wrong approach just because I don't have a problem at all with keeping faith with players through tough times or with going back to players who have failed in the past if you feel that they've really improved. But in this particular case, I'm I'm really not convinced by Jennings. I think out of of all the opening batsmen, the many, many opening batsmen that they've tried since Strauss retired, he's been one of the least convincing. And there there are others that I maybe would have gone back to before him. I mean, he just looks awkward at the crease, doesn't he? You know, he's got that kind of sort of ugly leaning thing going on and there's not necessarily that's not necessarily a, a, a deal breaker like your technique or your stance at the crease can be a bit deceptive and you think about lots of great players of the past have had a pretty weird stance at the crease Triscothic Chanderpool obviously and many others but Jennings just doesn't really look like he knows how to bat at the moment I mean supposedly he's a much better player of spin than he is of pace which again you'd imagine is one of the reasons why they've stuck with him. And as you say, he did well in India. He scored 100 on debut in India. But even then, he was dropped on naught in that innings. And yeah, players do get dropped. It's a thing that happens. If you uh, discounted every innings where someone had been dropped, there'd be a lot of great innings that would be taken away. But it is a, that's a little bit of what had that catch been taken he would literally have never scored any runs in Test cricket, and yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. He did have some very awkward moments this summer, uh, yeah, where he, where he did look somewhat all at sea. That said, you know, other players have other very good players who've had overall had very good careers have had times where they've really been scratching around. So I I don't know. No, I agree. I mean, yeah, he certainly got work to do if he's going to keep his place in this team, but. Uh, I think sort of maybe slightly more out of the spotlight and, you know, it's, with an, all due respect to, to Sri Lanka, you know, it's it's kind of one of the more low-key tours that England will be going on in, in, in the near future. So... In the next I mean, it's, couple of months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think just give him some space and we'll see what happens. Give him a chance, Bayfield. Exactly. I guess you can only pick the team, you know, you've got to pick the team for, you know, what's coming up now. I do think in sport, and maybe that's just something I'm detecting or kind of rejecting a bit more as I get older, is this idea that sport would just constantly look ahead. No one ever really looks at mm. kind of next. It's all about, well, what about the ashes at, you know, in a year's time or the ashes in 24 months' time? You know, it's, uh, yeah, I think the squad as a whole, 
I think let's go with it. Well, this is interesting, Tone. You've actually said something interesting there because I'm stunned um, <laughs> because this kind of leads on to the next thing I want to talk about, which is uh, actually another question from that same listener, Edward Barron. Given the state of Sri Lanka at the moment, will this series actually tell us anything? And this is something that we were talking about last time, the idea of like, well, what have we learned about the England team this summer? And it's something we've, you know, that's something that we've said a lot and talked about a lot. I've said it, I think, after every test series for the last like two years. (laughs) So we're as guilty of it as anybody else. But I've been thinking about it quite a bit recently. And the, the implication of Edward's question is that this series is only important or interesting or only matters because it'll give some indication of like where England are this is something about test cricket they're like well what's why is that relevant what does that mean in the long run what like what does any of this mean <laughs> and uh, i was thinking about this um when france won the world cup the football world cup don't think we talked about this on the show i may have football, had this the, the football world cup <laughs> no but i don't think we may i don't think we talked about this point that i'm this brilliant point that i'm about to yeah. make i think i've taught this i think i've said this to you in our um personal lives away from our business relationship um <laughs> When France won that final, immediately afterwards, I was watching the BBC coverage. You know, they they show the footage of the France players lifting the World Cup and cheering. And then it cuts back to the studio. And I can't actually remember who the pundits were now. Maybe Shearer. I don't drive Shearer to this. (laughs) Sorry. This is your favourite human. Whoever it was, Gary Lineker asked, what does this mean then, this this triumph for France? What does this, you know, what can can we take from this? And one of them said, well, it means that they'll be one of the favourites for the next Euros. And I was just thinking like, well, even if they win that, that will be less significant than them winning this. Like winning the World Cup is the thing. But within 10 minutes, it's like, all right, well, what's next? And it's this thing in all sport, what's next, what's next? I suppose in all life, to some extent, what's next? But like, what is the point of playing football if winning the World Cup doesn't satisfy you? Yeah, it's like, well, are they going to go on and dominate yeah. for years now? It doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, no, I, yeah, I completely agree. I, I, I just don't. Yeah, I don't know whether more of that's happening now than you know when we were kind of getting into sport. Whether we just don't remember those conversations twenty, twenty five years ago now. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. And actually, thinking back to what we said on the last pod, maybe we we were a bit harsh on. The you know the enjoyment factor of the series mm. uh, between England and India this summer, and yeah maybe we maybe people as a whole sports fans as a whole just need to be uh, you know, be in the moment a bit more, take a few deep breaths and kind of soak it in. I don't know. Yeah, as you say, maybe it's just because we're getting older or because we've been doing this for ten years. Yeah. But to lead this back to cricket and to Edward's question, I guess we should want England to win this series because we want England to win this series, not because it'll somehow tell us something about where they sit in the in the what in the pantheon of england teams of teams in the world at the moment of teams ever or it gives us some indication of what's going to happen in the ashes next year but it won't give us much of an indication about what's going to happen in the ashes next year because it'll be completely different conditions yeah so yeah i think there is a tendency and we are certainly guilty of it and i think the sporting you know the conversation around sport does need to change slightly at times you know, along kind of the lines of what we've just been saying, like two debates that have been raging on social media this week in slightly different ways. One was about uh, something one of the talk sport presenters said, maybe it's just on my Twitter, uh, said about Newcastle United being a big club and people were just like, well, it doesn't really matter. Who gives a toss what constitutes a big club? Anyway, that's sort of one kind of debate that's always brought up. But also, you know, the, the FIFA kind of best awards, or whatever mm. they're called now, I don't even know how they relate to the, Ballon d'Or, if that's still a thing or whatever, but uh, it's the kind of futility, really. Actually, just kind of the debate of who's the best ever, and kind of mm. it's just actually let's just part that conversation in everything for about ten years. You don't uh, want to see what my notes. I are know exactly. Up. I know exactly what's coming up. <laughs> uh, do, do you know what I mean? Like, actually, it doesn't really tennis debate. Most discussion about tennis, kind of superficially now, it's just about who's the greatest ever. You don't want to listen to the world, ten- <laughs> world tennis show. <laughs> <I know. laughs> no, no, but it's true though because we're as guilty as yeah, a- yeah. anybody. We get sucked and, in, and the, and this is, and, and in some ways it seems uh, self defeating and and very you know very kind of killjoy thing to be like. No, you're not allowed to talk about that because that's one of the joys of sport is having those kinds of conversations. All I mean is I'm becoming weary of myself and everyone else talking about 
test cricket test series as being like significant because they tell us something well what are they telling us what what at what point will we be like well yeah that's told us all we need to know <laughs> like it's yeah i mean I, I guess the flip side from and what we have said about what you know what have we learned about the england team and the fact that we haven't really learned a huge amount for a long time i guess is the pursuit of a sort of complete 11 that you know c- can move forward mm-hmm. uh england haven't really filled any slots yeah and that's quite a while. also what i want you know yeah that, um still critical of the England team at the moment even though they've just won 4-1 because I don't think they're that great a team but they achieved the thing that they had to this summer just going back to Edward's question again so in saying given the state of Sri Lanka at the moment the first part of that sentence what he's alluding to there is the fact that Sri Lanka seems to be having a pretty torrid time at the moment and it that's certainly true in white ball cricket so um, yeah, they lost a series at home to South Africa. And then just this week, they've got absolutely obliterated in their two matches at the Asia Cup. They lost to Bangladesh by 137 runs and then to Afghanistan by 91 runs. So they bowled out for 124 and 158 in those games. So they're, they're eighth in the rankings now, not too far actually above Afghanistan, who are in 10th. And in points terms, these kind of mysterious points in the ranking system, in points terms, they're closer to the UAE uh, than England at the top. So, yeah, I mean, uh, given that England are top of the rankings, given where England are in one-day cricket at the moment, you'd say that if, if England don't win that series, even though it is in Sri Lanka, it will be a major surprise and a major disappointment. But in test cricket, it's a little different. I mean, Sri Lanka haven't played a huge amount of it recently. They've only played five matches in the last 12 months. Uh, but they did get a draw in the Caribbean in June, including a good win in Barbados. And then they thrashed South Africa at home in July with uh, South Africa's batsman capitulating against Herath and the other spinners and only passing 200 once in four innings. So it's a tough place to go, Sri Lanka, regardless, almost regardless of what Sri Lanka's form is like. I mean, you'd, you'd imagine that there will be, or you'd certainly hope that there will be some excitement in Sri Lanka about this series, they don't get to host that many series at all and, and not many big test series these days. So, yeah, and, and I'm excited about it too. I mean, Sri Lanka's a terrific part of the world, isn't it? And it's some of the grounds are some of the best. I think Gaul is one of the best cricket grounds on the planet. And England haven't been there since 2012. It's six and a half years ago was their last test match tour. So, yeah, I'm really, I am looking forward to it. I, I do think it could be a fascinating series in its own right. yeah. Well said. Uh, no, I agree. Actually, one of the funny things, isn't it, about cricket is that yeah, even though there is this kind of you know small band of nations that play it, you still wait years and years for certain matchups to be mm. to be uh, to played out. How Sri Lanka? I mean, they've got two batsmen ranked in the top ten uh, test rankings. They are, yeah, talking about the like short form of the game, they are kind of lacking in star quality, aren't they, at the mm-hmm. moment? Uh, which is, I guess, just, yeah, it is what it is. Well, and they've just dropped one of their remaining stars, Angelo Matthews, because he's fallen out with the board after their um, humiliation at the Asia Cup. So, yeah, even less star quality than they had before. Yeah. But this should be a competitive series. And, they, you know, they've, they've won a few test matches at home in recent years. I mean, we'll do a full preview closer to the time, obviously, of the test series. But I'll ask you now, going back to Amir's question at the top, gut feeling, what, what's your... What are your predictions for this series? For the Test Series and the One Day Series, I'll allow you to change your Test Series prediction when we do the preview. Thanks. But right now, what do you reckon? Well, I mean, a complete... Was, I, I think my uh, predictive qualities have uh, diminished somewhat in the last <laughs> few years. Absolutely so wide of the mark this summer so far. I think I predicted 3-1 to India. Yeah. Uh, I think you, appreci- yeah, you should appreciate me bringing that up of my own accord, <laughs> you know? happy to admit when i'm wrong we do need to start writing the predictions we around because well, uh, like you say you predicted three one to india i genuinely can't remember i'm willing to believe it It sounds like the kind of thing you'd predict i probably predicted like four one or wrong. five nil and i've just kind of i'm just dialing back a bit yeah i mean the one day series you'd expect england even you know to to i'm not say whitewash but yeah england are obviously very good at in odi cricket at the moment four one four nil Clearly, with the the World Cup coming up next summer, England aren't going to want to take their foot off the gas. Uh, they're not going to be messing around. So, yeah, 
Test series, tough, tough to know. England obviously coming off uh, a really, on paper, very comfortable series win over the number one ranked side in the world. But then you look at the squad, you still don't, you know, there are still doubts there. And going to Sri Lanka, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to the decider. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, just give yourself some wiggle room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, should we have a look at another question, Tone? I'm calling these questions, a lot of them, like they're sort of comments. I said, what shall we talk about? And it's suggestions yeah. from, from listeners. Uh, so Spice Boy on Twitter says blast finals day wants us to talk about uh the t20 blast which was won last week by worcestershire for the first time they beat the sussex sharks by five wickets in the final uh moeen ali with 41 runs from 27 balls was the hero so yeah it was a it was a pretty exciting game some exciting games throughout the day People seem to be loving it. Did you see much of, uh, of Final State Tone? I didn't see a huge amount of it, I'm afraid. I mean, it, I yeah, so I was at work during the day and then I came in uh, and saw a little bit of the final. As we talked about before, it's always struck me as a little bit of a strange concept that, you know, T20 was invented because it was a way of like shortening cricket so it didn't have to take all day. And then at the end of the tournament, it takes all day. You know, you put on three matches and it lasts all day. But, you know, but people do seem to love it. And I, I do also understand the appeal of that. And this was a particularly exciting one. And yeah, as I said, there has been a lot of love for Moe Nally. It has put fresh scrutiny on the 100. Um, they've been doing trials of the 100 uh, in the last week or so. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the blast is going to continue, but there's only one more season of it before the 100 will be coming in as well. I mean, at the beginning of the summer when we talked about the 100, I think we both felt and we both said we didn't see how it could possibly go ahead. But it does seem to be going ahead. Yeah, it's, it's progressing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, the trial, yeah, reading about kind of what happened, it is very much a trial, isn't it? There, yeah, there's no def- definitive format yet or rules, I, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Some uh, of the rules are weird as well. Like, I guess the idea is like, yeah, we need to simplify it. the whole thing. Like we need to simplify it for people who are too stupid to understand. But... Yeah, like one of the rules are like now if a batsman is caught on the boundary, there's no like concept of, oh, well, the batsman crossed. It's just the new batsman in faces the next ball, which in some ways makes sense, but it's just such a weird thing. Like they sort of announced this as some like big change. It's like such a trivial thing. I don't know. Yeah, I remain as... uh Skeptical. in the dark and yeah i don't know yeah remain sort of yet to be convinced very much because they've not really done a huge amount of convincing mm-hmm. yet uh yeah listening to uh you know a few players still haven't really got a clue what's going on uh and you know that that shows doesn't it there's i think the counties as well don't really have a clue what's going on i don't know you think you do sort of have the format nailed down before announcing the whole thing they could yeah they, they should have done these trials before they yeah. went on and announced it i mean i suppose it would have leaked i guess but but i do agree with you they they should have thought it through more comprehensively than they did before coming in with this big song and dance yes you know, all singing and dancing announcement one thing that's been interesting is that 
yeah, they sort of invited quite a few journos to to those trials. Like Agnew was there, and he was saying it actually didn't feel that different to a T20. And that is something that we talked about as well, that in this, I, I think it looks like more of a revolution than it is. I'm not sure it's actually that different, which you might think would be like, oh, well, people shouldn't get so upset, to get upset about it then. But the point is that it's actually not going to do what they want it to do, mm. which is like it's a putting together a, you know, a brand new type of cricket that's going to draw in new fans. It's not different enough to do that. Literally, what we're doing is pissing people off because it's, it's got all this silly nonsense associated with it. So I just don't see what the point of it is. Yeah, and I, th- I think the ECB have sort of trademarked or copyrighted or have the, retained the rights to this format around the world now or some, something like that. Uh, well, I mean, we will, I'm sure, at some stage when they actually release any info about it whatsoever yeah. uh, that's not just like hearsay or kind of this might happen or that might happen. You know, I'm sure we'll have an in-depth 100 special but yeah, I mean, time is ticking, uh, and no one knows. No one's any the wiser. The hundred or Brexit? What's what's the oh, bigger? Well, the fact they're coming <laughs> at the same time is just like it's too much, isn't it? <laughs> I'd love to see. Like, do you think? Do you think Dominic Raab would swap would swap jobs with uh, <laughs> with Colin Graves, and vice versa? <sighs> if Colin Graves is negotiating Brexit, would we be in a better or worse situation? Yeah. It's going to be a turbulent, uh, turbulent couple of years, isn't it? If it hasn't already been. <laughs> what, for Britain? Yeah, for Britain. And, yeah. and English cricket. Well, on the subject of county cricket, um, Surrey won the championship. A very comfortable victory, actually, wrapping things up with a couple of games still to play. They've got an exciting team, like quite a number of players that have um, forced their way into England contention over the last summer or two. Mark Stoneman, who's obviously forced his way out of England contention, uh, this summer, but also Rory Burns, who we've been talking about, Ollie Pope is in the England squad, the Currens, Ben Folks, Amar Verdi, Mornay Morkel as well, adding a bit of uh, a bit of magic. So it, you know, it's it is a very strong team, and it's not hard to uh, to understand why they were so dominant this year. A bit of a sleeping giant, really. Sorry, aren't they? You talked about Newcastle being a big club in football. I mean, Surrey are a, a big club, aren't they? But this is actually their first title since two thousand and two. So. It was it was overdue. What does it mean, Tone? What does what does it what does it all mean? Can they go on and dominate now? I mean, <laughs> these are the questions that everybody's asking. But I mean, it is true to say that that no one really has dominated county cricket uh, or the county championship in the last ten years or so. Yorkshire won a couple back to back, but otherwise it's been shared around. You know, Essex won last season, Middlesex before that, Durham, Lancashire, Warwickshire all won. So yeah, I suppose it will be interesting to see if Surrey can dominate and otherwise it means absolutely nothing no i agree D- yeah does it really matter if anyone <laughs> dominates do we does, does a county championship want someone to dominate I, you know, I don't think so really burns is off to england mm. you know obviously other you know some of their other guys have had call-ups this summer for the first time too you know that's gonna have a you know if they they establish themselves properly in the england team then that has a massive effect so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think they will go on and dominate, no, is the answer to that. Well, finally on county cricket, there's been some quite a bit of sadness uh, around because loads of players, loads of sort of stalwarts of the county scene uh, have retired at the end of the season. Probably most notably, I've got four names here that I would say that's the most notable figures who have bowed out. Jonathan Trott, Paul Collingwood, James Foster and James Treadwell, all uh, England players at one time or another. Which of those are you most sad about, Tone? Which is the, the biggest loss to cricket, would you say? Or are they all equally <laughs> That's equally a bit harsh. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. I, I guess the one, probably Collie would be the one who sort of, it's quite easy to forget how much, uh, how much he contributed down the years. And yeah, very sort of particular kind of guy, I guess. And mm-hmm. a, a very sort of particular kind of career, uh, which is very rare. Uh I know quite a few people have, have just, you know, sort of described it as kind of making the best of what he had, you know, not like prodigiously talented. And in that sense, just sort of hugely admirable rather than players who are prodigiously talented, but underachieve. So I think that kind of makes someone like that, yeah, like universally admired. But having said that, it's not to underplay because yeah, the, the, the things that made him kind of helped him to get the best out of his career are huge talents in themselves. So mm. uh, that's not to say he wasn't a, a talented player. 
and he did achieve you know quite groundbreaking things. You know the the World T Twenty win, that's still massive for England. You know, England don't win, uh, don't win limited overs competitions. I think you can overstate this thing about you know him not being prodigiously talented as well, and I'm yeah. I, I'm probably one of those who does overstate it. But like he scored a double hundred in Australia against a bowling attack that included Glenn McGraw and Shane Warne. I mean, you've got, regardless of how hard he worked to make the most of his talents, which he did, you've got to have a sort of base level of talent, don't you, to uh, to be able to pull that off. Yeah, yeah. I know. He, he was good at cricket to begin with. He just, but it, but it is true to say that he obviously wasn't as talented as Kevin Peterson, who also scored a double hundred in Australia. But the fact as well that he's also given a lot to county cricket, uh, he's given a lot to a lot of aspects of cricket so uh yeah quite a sort of yeah rare character i was genuinely gutted about him retiring i mean i I suppose you know he retired like nearly well yeah coming up eight years ago from international cricket so i probably should have made my peace with it now yeah i used i i would go so far as to say he's one of my favorite cricketers ever just such a likable admirable guy and i hope that he will sort of stick around the scene i mean he's obviously been doing a bit of coaching with scotland and done some uh, some fielding coaching, I think, with England as well. I mean, I I wouldn't be that surprised if he ends up being England coach, you know, England head coach in the future, maybe in the not too distant future. Mm. James, a word on James Foster actually as well. I was I was sad to see him go too. I mean, I, there's part of me again. This is probably someone who this, this is a part of me that just hadn't thought things through, but I was still sort of vaguely hoping that he might make an England comeback at some point because he's I, I, another player that I have always really liked. He's probably up there, maybe hard to separate between him and Chris Reid as being two, you know, the two sort of best wicket keepers or best sort of out and out glovemen, certainly in England and maybe in the world over the last 15, 20 years. And that's maybe something that's disappearing from the game, the kind of specialist gloveman. And, it, you know, there's been some videos doing around some vines, vines don't exist anymore, you know, some, uh, on, some viral videos going around of, um, Foster's best catches and it's, it's some pretty sort of jaw-dropping stuff and it's as much as you know someone like Johnny Bairstow has worked really hard to turn himself into a a good wicketkeeper it's not quite on the same level and but it's just something that's not really kind of needed in the game anymore and it's just a bit of a shame yeah and I guess it you know it sort of plays into the, the you know the evolution of cricket isn't it and with with kind of specialist gritty uh kind of four-day test match batsman you know, kids coming up today, well, not only the sort of number of role models to machine, but there's just, you know, that's not the kind of role that's going to get you a lucrative contract mm-hmm. when you get older or, you know, those, it's not going to put you in the sort of positions that you, as a child, I guess, these days getting to cricket will want to get into. Well, Foster did come back, he did come into England's T20 side, if you remember, for the World T20 in 2009. England at that time was saying, yeah, we see this as being part of the future of T20, that what you want is like a really world-class wicketkeeper who can make those stumpings, take those brilliant catches because it's such fine margins, he's going to make the difference for us. It actually just didn't work out like that. Yeah. It's, it, it's been proven that you'd rather have Joss Butler because he can do a good job with the gloves and then smash 100 from 40 balls. Yeah, It's pretty clear what is more important yeah and i think the way it's gone you know probably is that that, that sort of extra five percent or ten percent in your keeper you know maybe they're only going to get the opportunity to demonstrate that or flex that once or twice in a match maybe not even at all whereas probably what you what you want is kind of one to eleven to be gun fielders and mm-hmm. so that you know anytime there's an opportunity or the half chance that goes to any of your fielders they're kind of ready to accept uh, one final area that we need to talk about, Tom. We've got some <laughs> like some, <an> interview, some, <laughs> some questions that have come in. Um, so what would you consider to be your strengths? Can you give me an example of a situation where you felt you demonstrated your assertiveness? Oh, I'm struggling here. <laughs> <laughs> you keep looking at your... I know, I'm just checking the phone. Don't, don't worry. We've got time. Yeah. You won't be late for your beard trim. It's essential. Uh, well, yeah, just one final thing to talk about, which is um, the series coming up between Pakistan and Australia, because we've had quite a few questions come in about this. And the first question that I want to answer comes from Elliot Barker on Twitter, who asks, after his century in park cricket, 
Has there ever been a less likeable cricketer than David Warner? Did you see this, Tone? I did see this, yeah. It was very uh, boisterously celebrated. So, yeah, Warner, who's obviously banned at the moment from playing uh, international or, um, uh, well, any kind of top-level cricket, isn't he, uh, is turning out for a team in park cricket, so it's like league cricket. Scored a century, actually scored 155 not out, but when he went to three figures, leapt in the air, took off his helmet, leapt in the air, and then <laughs> saluted with his bat for about a minute. <laughs> it, was, it genuinely reminded me. <laughs> it genuinely reminded me. I laughed out loud of uh, when in our school team, when we were about 14, you were on a run of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, somewhere between sort of 5 and 20. Ducks yeah. in a row. Uh, and then you scored a run, you knocked a single down to fine leg and uh, saluted the crowd. And we were all on our feet applauding. And then we got an absolute bollocking from the coach after that. Yeah. So yeah, Elliot wants to know, has there ever been a less likeable cricketer than David Warner? Chris Hudson chiming in with Michael Vaughan, which I thought was a bit harsh. But then maybe we would say that as uh, England fans rather than Australian fans. I, I don't know, what do you reckon, Tane? Is, is Warner the least likeable cricketer? I mean, that that celebration... What, you know, it didn't look great. After everything that's happened this year, it wasn't a great time to wheel out the kind of fast show competitive dad yeah. type thing, you know, in this league cricket where everyone's... I mean, they must be a reasonable standard, but they're, they're, it's not a comparable standard. So it's, you know, be like, you know, me playing my six-year-old nephew at Mario Kart and going, yes! Or well, like when I play you at FIFA, like it's just not really fair. Yeah, I think that's maybe, uh, yeah, when you sort of run around the room lofting your uh, controller in the air. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think given what's happened, yeah, a bit of sort of modesty. Humility. Exactly. It might have been called for. I mean, that said, I don't think it's the most dislikable thing that Warner's done <laughs> from my perspective kind of throughout his career. You know, whatever, whatever the rights or wrongs or of what happened, uh, it might, must still have been for him. This year has been, I would guess, pretty mentally challenging. Yeah, if that was a natural, instinctive reaction, and that's, I don't know. I feel I'd be a bit things a bit harsh, maybe to be too too critical. But I agree, it was it was very exuberant for the occasion. Yeah, that's that is a fair point you made that it, it must have been a, a tough time for him and and maybe we should cut him a bit of slack because of that um but then i guess the point is that because of what's happened in the rest of his career you're not necessarily sort of inclined to give him that much slack actually brendan mccullum uh, tweeted about it and was giving him a bit of stick uh, as some someone posted a clip of the celebration and mccullum said Geez, Davey, thus celebration is the equivalent of Sir Ed Hullery giving it large, climbing his front steps, post Everest. Ha, ha, ha. And then lots of people kind of uh, getting stuck in. I mean, yeah, you're probably right. It's a bit harsh on Warner. Uh, this single thing isn't what makes him potentially the least likeable cricketer yeah. of all time. But it's uh, all the stuff that's happened. But I don't know the before. content. I mean, I don't know what the quality was like. I don't know. It was amusing. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I mean, in terms of who's the least likable creature of all time. I, I, yeah, this is probably a bit of a, an unfair conversation to have full stop. But for me personally, Warner would have to be up there. Like we've talked about this before that we always kind of hate, as England fans, we always are disposed to hate or not like Australian cricketers. But then when they retire, like almost instantly when they retire, like someone like Ricky Ponting used to get roundly booed when he came out to bat in England. and Or like Glenn McGrath was always someone that I really despised growing up literally the second he retired I was like legend yeah. absolute legend and now you know when he does punditry and stuff I'm like oh McGraw what a genius uh, it's, it's, yeah, as well. it's like the the person you have a scrap with in a pub at like midnight and then two hours later you're just sort of hugging and <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah just sort of whispering sweet <laughs> nothings you. it's like that in uh, in in the sober sense but yeah so they're sort of you realise that they're sort of pantomime villains or they have been pantomime villains throughout their career so there could be some of that going on with Warner but I'm not sure about it. I don't know if when he retires we'll be like what a legend so yeah I don't know anyone else in the front for some people Peterson probably would be up there yeah um, I, I, there's not that many to be fair it's something to be said for cricket I couldn't think of too many unless we start unless you know if we're including like the match fixers in that you know the 
Lou Vincents and Azaridins yeah. and Danish Canarias. But leaving that aspect of things to one side, I can't think of too many that you you know actively don't like. Yeah, well, and as you say, I think it, it's a sort of unfortunate, it's probably not what people want to hear, is it? But sort of unfortunate conversation It's quite, yeah, it's quite, it seems a bit harsh, really. But there we go. But That's you, from my perspective. You like everyone, though. Well, I, yeah, I like, I, like see the, I see the good in people, <laughs> yeah, including Davey. You'd, you'd have, uh, you wouldn't have waited till the end of Return of the Jedi to try and uh, bring Darth Vader back <laughs> to the good side. There is good in him, I know there is. A final question then from Hassan Ramzan, who wants us to talk about Australia's chances in the UAE. So that is a two-test series which starts on the 7th of October, so pretty soon. And I think that should be a pretty fascinating series as well. It's Australia's first test series since the meltdown over sandpaper six months ago. As we said, the, you know, Warner's banned at the moment. There's no Warner, there's no Steve Smith. And they've got a new coach in, in Justin Langer. So it's pretty tough assignment for them you'd have to say it's one of the toughest places in the world to tour and Pakistan have got an outstanding record there four years ago they absolutely obliterated uh, the Aussies in in both games and in that series it was only Steve Smith and David Warner that scored any runs at all for Australia so um, that is probably not a good sign coming in and since that series they've had some some nightmares on the subcontinent as well including a whitewash in Sri Lanka two years ago uh, and a series defeat in India last year as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a, definitely a, a stiff task that they're facing. I think it'll be interesting. Uh, I don't know how much I could tell you about kind of most of the uh, players in the Australian team. Yeah, yeah Brendan Doggett. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about. The look on your face then. John Holland. Marnus Labrinchanier. Do you know? I don't know. What no. can you tell me about him? <laughs> I know it's just spelt wrong, the name I'm looking at on the team sheet. Uh, Michael Neza. Neza. Oh, no, yeah. yeah uh, I can see it over your shoulder now. It's um, pronounced Mitchell Stark. <laughs> Peter Seidel. Uh, no, I don't know. It actually does sound like an uh, episode of Game of Thrones. Mitchell uh, Stark, when I return, we'll talk about your mother. This is really well-informed this is preview, isn't it? top-level stuff at the moment. I mean, to be fair to us, you know, it is a bit of a an emergency squad that Australia have had to put together because they are without Warner, Smith, Bancroft, and in the bowling as well, Hazelwood and Cummins are both injured. So, yeah, it's a pretty untested squad, unproven squad. Aaron Finch has been called up to test cricket, which is a slightly curious decision from my perspective. I mean, it's going to be tough, isn't it, for Australia? I find it quite hard to imagine how they're going to avoid defeat in this series four years ago they had a torrid time against Yazid Shah he's fit again they've called in a couple of Indian spinners to try and give you know, for the practices to bowl in the nets try and give their batsmen some more practice but they're not going to be as good as Yazid Shah are they it's uh, that's going to be tough and yeah the Aussies do have a, a weapon of their own in, in the spin department in the shape of Nathan Lyon but I just don't know that you know the, the backups there for him John Holland yeah, is is untested. Ashton Agar still has a lot to prove. So, Lyon can't do it all on his own. It's going to be very difficult. If they manage to pull off any kind of result here, it will be a pretty astounding achievement. And just to contradict what we said at the start of the uh, the pod, uh, quite considerably less than a year to go until the next Ashes series yeah. as well. And in terms of what, I, I, you know, I don't know, probably more so for Australia than for England. Yeah, in certain aspects, it's going to be interesting to see the build up. This might tell this might tell us something about what it means exactly uh, looking ahead exactly to the Ashes. Well, I think one in one sense, this series might not be the worst one to start with. Sort of post sandpaper, it's a bad one to start with. Sort of on the you know in terms of the cricket, but it's going to be pretty low key, isn't it? It's you know they're going to be played out in front of empty stadiums. On paper, it's a big series, Pakistan v Australia, but because of the fact it's being played in the UAE, like it's always a bit of a weird atmosphere. I don't know. I, they can maybe get in and out under the radar a little bit, which might be quite good for them. And, and the the main thing they've got to do at the moment is just sort of start conducting themselves in a better fashion uh, with Tim Payne as captain. And, you know, this is definitely an opportunity for them to, you know, to take a step in that direction. So it could be a good one for yeah. them in that way, rather than going straight into a home series against India, where there'll be a lot more pressure, a lot more scrutiny. So... It will be interesting. Well, I think that's going to be about 
it. So in terms of the questions, we've still got plenty more to get through, but we might have to save them for next time. What we were alluding to earlier in the, the you know, when, when you were saying about how we're going to talk about like who's the greatest of all time. Uh, this is a question that I'm really looking forward to, but um, we're going to save it. Hassan Amar asked for a composite 11 of some variety because they are always fun. Well, I have come up with quite a composite 11, the composite 11 to end all composite 11s, but maybe we can talk about that next time because I've asked you to do one as well and I can't imagine you did it. I made a start, yeah, <laughs> across far as three. So we're going to compare our 11s next time. I mean, that's a tease, isn't it? That's what we in the biz call a tease. That is. There's a lot of inside baseball basic chat going on today. <laughs> a lot of biz talk. Yeah. Much like Theresa May's checkers plan, this episode of the World Cricket Show has gone down an absolute storm around the country and around the continent, and it makes you wonder why anyone ever thought it would be difficult to get something through. It's the end of the show, Tone. It's time to put a bullet in the head of this one. We're under pressure to switch to a Canada-style podcast. <laughs> Have you enjoyed yourself this afternoon? No, it's been good. It's been good to get the uh, get the eye in. I think ahead of a, a long winter, it's almost time to unbox the cereal once more. <laughs> I mean, I eat cereal all year round. Just to be clear, I don't really. Rice Krispies every day, <laughs> man. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, Rice Krispies I, are actually keeping me alive. I think. I'm not sure what the sort of nutritional value is. It's very low. Yeah. I'll tell you what it is. Very low. I mean, yeah, I don't want to be sued. I don't, <laughs> I don't want this podcast to come under fire from from the, uh, what, what are the little like, spacemen called? Uh, snap, crack, snap, and pop. Crack, or are they, are they the ones, is it the spacemen that do... Uh, You're thinking of rice You've got to be very careful. Yeah, this is a whole minefield here. <laughs> a whole minefield. Anyway, I wouldn't want Snap turning up at my door. <laughs> Snapping your yeah, exactly. knees. I mean, to be fair... To be fair to me, Tone, you know, I have a, you know, I have a reasonably balanced diet and the rest of my life I eat a lot of broccoli, uh, but I do eat Rice Krispies. I'm actually addicted to Rice Krispies, uh, which, you know, I'd, I'd argue there are worse addictions. Frozen Kit Kats for one. Yeah. But yeah, it's not great. It's like, it's sort of the definition of empty calories, isn't it? There's literally nothing in them. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they're just sort of hollow. <laughs> they float. This is all going to be read out in court, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. This is all part of the... It's a shame as well, because we were so close to getting that Kellogg's deal. I know. I think it's, well, it's not worth going against our values for the dollars. Uh, right, I'd better get to this beard trim, so... Okay. Get, well... Get your admin in. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll wrap this up, shall I? Um, well, yeah, well, I mean, we'll be back... When will we be back? Soon, in a couple of weeks, uh, to talk more cricket. We've given a little tease, what we in the biz refer to as a tease some of the stuff we'll be talking about next time and that'll probably be around the right kind of time frame to be doing a, a full preview of Sri Lanka v England. Between now and then, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show and you'd like to get more involved in it, we're on social media, uh, facebook.com slash cricket show, Twitter at cricket show, Instagram at world cricket show. Uh, so follow us there. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support what we do, there's a few different ways you can do that. Firstly, and probably uh, most straightforwardly, you can uh, give us a rating and even better, write a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you're using, because that really helps to bring new people to the show. And if you'd like to support us financially, there's a couple of different ways to do that. You can do your Amazon shopping through our website, cricketshow.net, and then we just get a little bit of a a kickback from whatever you buy. Uh, Or you can support us directly on Patreon, patreon.com slash cricketshow. And we are going to start doing more stuff for Patreon. Got a few Patreon exclusives in the pipeline. And uh, someone actually got in touch begging me to upload some of the old episodes, some of the very old episodes of the World Cricket Show, which I'm not convinced is a good idea. But he seemed uh, he seemed pretty keen, so I might put some of those on Patreon as well. Yeah, if, if you've ever got the time or inclination to just go and edit sort of... A sort of what's the uh, what's that guy a, a cassette boy you know uh, <laughs> yeah. but not kind of stitching individual words together but just <laughs> wholly contradictory statements <laughs> that we've made over the years yeah we flip flopped on yeah you know, positions we've you've done we've done, probably done more U turns than yeah Theresa May there's a lot of U turns uh, than yeah than the uh, black cab there you go. that's good tone that'll do you got there in the I'll end do, that'll you, do it short notice you got there in the end well done. So yeah, I think that's about it, except to say 
that we do have a couple of other podcasts. We're off in a minute after Tony's beard trim to record a new episode of the Little Film Podcast. Another ridiculous Wednesday where we're recording too many podcasts. Check that out, the Little Film Podcast and the World Tennis Show as well. And one last thing, I just want to give a quick mention uh, to a charity called Cricket Without Boundaries. Uh, Listeners may remember that a couple of years ago, we had David Terrace from Cricket Without Boundaries on the show to talk about the work that those guys do. They lead volunteers to various countries around Africa to coach cricket and spread health messages at the same time. Uh, So David's been in touch uh, to say that they're still looking for volunteers for 2019. So if you're listening to this and you you like the idea of of doing good through cricket and you'd like to sign up, uh, then check out cricketwithoutboundaries.com. That is it, though, I think, Tone. Enjoy your beard trim. Cheers. And all that's left for me to do is say stay in school. See you in an hour. (laughs) Yeah, I'll see you actually stupidly soon to do another podcast. I think, the, yeah, I don't know what happened really in our lives, but I think people were like, oh, you do a podcast. I'd quite like to do a podcast on this other subject. And I was just out of fear, <laughs> A, of sort of a slight FOMO, but also fear that that one might be the one that really takes off. It's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, okay, I'll come and do it. Yeah, like, I've not watched any films ever, Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to be left behind. No, exactly. So that's why we keep signing up to do more and more yeah. podcasts. <sighs> anyway, but as we've said forever, uh, yeah, we're back on a schedule now, aren't we, for the cricket? So we're on the reg. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see you next time. Cheery. Bye, guys. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market